Support for the Scouted Football Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code SCOUTED20 at manscaped.com. Hello, Scouted Football Pod fans. Interesting times that we live in, aren't they? Um, a little bit of a pivot from our usual under-23 football chat this week, um, but with the news that 12 clubs are breaking away to form the Super League, um, we thought that it would probably be best to discuss the the only topic that's being discussed in football at the moment. Uh, we did have a, a, a normal episode planned this week, but um, discussing any other aspect of football did feel a little bit like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, as the saying goes. But I've managed to scramble my trusty scouted colleagues, uh, Phil Costa and Stephen Ganavis, for this one. Um, usually found on the scouted Patreon pod, but um, it seemed as though to discuss football behind the paywall as it is, then I think it would be only fair that we we, we discuss this on the normal pod. Um, Steve, Phil, how, how are we both doing? Yeah, good, good, mate. It's, um, you know, a bit... A bit sad to be to be coming on and discussing this topic, but I'm hoping it will be uh, quite cathartic for for me and and for you guys as well. So let's see. Yeah, from the other side of the world, um, it's pretty sad to see you know these things take place, especially you know football clubs are supposed to be a social good, and and to see uh, twelve clubs that you know sit at the heart of their their communities, essentially, you know becoming franchises if they weren't already becoming that way it's a it's a sad time for the sport so yeah it'll be interesting to 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 delve a little deeper into into what's happening yeah it does feel as though sort of football has 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 effectively eaten itself um you know the 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 greed at the top of the game has has got to a point of no return and and that you know the 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 constant commodification has has turned into um uh, a, a product which is which is no longer viable uh, and clearly the powers that be at the the 12 founding clubs as they as they liked to be known in the um in the super league joint statement um kind of reflected that and i think for me, for me it was it, it just seemed very brazen um and at, at the beginning I, I, when the news broke i thought this is probably going to be used as leverage, um, but they seem to be really in in every aspect, and I'm not just talking about sort of the macro aspect. In every facet of of what they're doing, how they're operating in the past few days, it it just does appear as though they they are all pushing ahead um, with with this with this plan, which it seems very difficult to comprehend, really, because it's 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 a seismic shift in in the fabric of the game that we we haven't seen you know in forever you know we think of these these teams you know Liverpool Manchester United Man Man City Chelsea Tottenham Arsenal these clubs have always played in England and now there's the prospect of them never having a game against a Newcastle or a Burnley or a Palace ever again it it just seems all very very odd and and it's difficult to to sort of grasp about what the ramifications are going to be because they're going to be so far reaching if if this goes ahead as it is intended we've been on our way towards this for probably 30 years now probably since the the incarnation of the premier league in its in its current form and then reforms to the champions league with first the group stage um and then you know more recently with the 
the you know the rule that all four teams in the in Germany and Spain and Italy and England would would qualify automatically for the group stage. These new reforms coming now, we've we've been edging towards this for a long time, where the teams at the top create these conditions and these rules for themselves, and um, you know UEFA haven't been able to call their bluff really. Um, I saw I think Miguel Delaney um, saying that. Uh, Seferin, the head of, of UEFA, had been strong-armed into uh, these new Champions League reforms. But I think, it, you know, at some point uh, the bluff had to be called and now, you know, they, they've got no choice, UEFA, but to to try and strike back as, as strongly as they can uh, because, you know, their competition is, is really on the line um, and a lot of the, the major leagues in Europe are going to suffer a big hit if these, uh, if, you know, some of these major clubs... Uh, leave the system. I mean, I mean that's it. It's what you said before. These, these, uh, so, sorry, the Super League breaking away, for for example, is nothing new. I mean, this was being floated, um, as you said, in the last thirty years since the Premier League was in formation. But even before then, you know, the, uh, there were articles posted on on social media from newspapers, you know, um, speaking about you know separating and in, into Europe and and creating sort of a top table. Um, but I think the sort of the core issue here um, is that it's essentially messing with the fabric of English football, which is, you know, uh, history, tradition, lots of years of, of family lineage and, and stories and experiences. And, you know, and, and it's kind of just been wiped away from under our feet. And I think that's uh, sort of emotionally that comes and hits you right in the gut straight away because you think, as Joe said, I mean, it's very unlikely that, uh, I mean, just speaking in Premier League terms here, that the six clubs will be will be excluded. Um, from my personal opinion, I, I don't see it happening from the Premier League. Um, but it's, you know, it's just it just feels like, you know, what's the point anymore? Because um, I was discussing this yesterday with with Lewis Ambrose, um, and we and we spoke about, you know. A, Arsenal in particular and we said what's the point of um, their their domestic campaign because finishing between second and 17th it's the same thing um, and I'm really sad for that because you know competition has has essentially been been etched out of, of football um, which is ideally you know is the main is the main attraction for for the sport and what makes English football so um, exciting even though yes people will point to gross inequality across the four divisions and, and the pyramid, which is true. Um, but yeah, for me, that issue of, of competition being being stripped away is just a real sickener. Yeah, I think the weird thing is people have been uh, talking about, uh, you know, the current system is being bad and the Super League is being bad, but the, the, the current system can be reformed. It might not be functioning as intended now with inequalities within the footballing pyramid in the UK. But they're things that can be reformed, uh, you know, within the, the current structure. Not that they necessarily will be because the, you know, inherent uh, capitalistic, uh, you know, ways of, that is things that have created the Super League that still exist within the Premier League in its current form. But uh, the Super League breaking away gives a massive, massive financial hit to, to the Premier League and the whole pyramid that um, will take a long time, I think, to recover from, if, if ever. 
Yeah, I think that's probably one of the the areas that we should probably discuss. Um, and because it's it's something which hasn't happened before, but has constantly been floated as an idea, I think even if you're a club who are, you know, for example, a Leicester City, you know, you spend the best part of two hundred million pounds on on a new training ground, and now the the the, the footballing pyramid essentially, you know, Florentino Perez and co have, have essentially come along and taken a big pair of scissors and just cut the top of the pyramid off. You know, if, if it wasn't a, a, a huge gap that you had to bridge to to compete with these these teams financially, now it's it's now an absolute chasm. Um, and I think, you know, obviously all of these club owners who haven't been called up to the, the to to the Super League, obviously they're all very wealthy, they're all very rich themselves. However, I, even from a fan's perspective, you know that 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 always there's always the promise of competition. You know, even if you're in the eighth tier. You know, there's always the chance that you could, you know, you could cause an, an upset in a cup match, or you could, you, you know, you could go up through the leagues, and there's always that 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 little tinge of hope. But now that just seems as though it's kind of been, it's been, you know, cut off at the top. And you know, I mean, the the, the financial ramifications. I think when you when you consider that these the the, the three clubs from Spain, Barça, Real, Atlético, uh, in Italy, Juve, Inter, and and Milan. Um, and and then the six English clubs, you know, these are the these are the the global driving forces of why why these leagues get big broadcast deals. So when you remove those, when when those not when you remove when those clubs remove themselves from the fabric of of the game that we know and sort of break off and think, you know, we're going to do it ourselves because it benefits us. It is just such a a brazen act of you know we we don't care about. The rest, I mean, despite what they say in statements, we don't care about the rest of the game. This is purely from a it, this benefits us standpoint, and I think there's there's so many yeah there's, there's, there's so many ramifications. I don't know. We, I mean, we can go on financial, we can go on competition. What do you want to? I mean, what do you want to get into? Yeah, just on the financial, I've seen a lot of people kind of um, one angle that they've tried to justify this is saying you know these are the clubs that that generate all the revenue. So it's, you know, only natural that they want to, you know, go out and get their own. Um, but I think that's the first part where we um, miss a crucial step in that sport and football clubs. Then they're not, they should not be these financial vehicles and these businesses operated in the way they are as, you know, playthings of, of billionaires from all over the globe. These are social goods that are really are crucial to, um, building a community they are you know, so important to the lives of so many people in local communities. And yes, Liverpool has now become a, a global brand, but at its core, um, just using Liverpool as an example, but at, at its core, it's a, you know, a key part of the fabric of, of the local community in Liverpool. So um, yeah, that's the first, the first issue that I see with, you know, anyone trying to justify uh, this system is that, you know, essentially it's being, um, removed from the community and you know it's obvious that the super league you know it's a one step away from you know soon we'll be hearing about liverpool playing real madrid in new york or los angeles or or, or somewhere like that so you're really turning this you know local cl- club into a, a global franchise and i think that is just you know the number one no-no of this of this whole uh whole breakaway is you know cutting the ties of a of a, of a social good from the community that it, that it sprung from yeah, football has been pure in a sense that it has been separate from the the, the Americanization uh, in a way of of other sports. Uh, I mean, it's not a pure sport. We know that there's there's you know it, it has its its edges. That's it's fair to say. But in terms of the the competitive element, the promotion relegation element, you know the 
the, it, it, the fact that it's 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 a low scoring game. There's there's lots of luck involved, and that can often play into well, sometimes play into the hands of the minnow, the little team. You know, that's why we that's why we enjoy the game because it's it's something that gives us you know you know pride in our our region in our area where where you come from, whether you have family ties from wherever. It's something that's always been that's always been there. You know, for, for for anybody who's around now, that that football club has always been there. You know, you need you only need to look at. I mean, I'll use Liverpool as an example again, but there's a reason that that, that Anfield is 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 plonked where it is in Liverpool. You know, in, in in next to Stanley Park, amongst amongst all the houses, it's it's you know, it it would be naive of us to expect that over 150 years of um you know financial evolution that football clubs wouldn't evolve as well. But I think. It, to completely rip a club away from its roots, from the people who made it what it was, um, and to dis- I think part of the thing that irks me is that it's they're, they're trying to do it under under a guise of doing what's best for the game, and that's it's see through. It's so translucent, and you just it it just it angers you. And and to be to be clear, you know my my football club isn't um, one of these breaking away, but you you support football as much as you support your club in this in this sense because it's one of those where it, you, you know that everything will change um and everything will be different phil i don't know what your take is on um you know i mean i i couldn't put myself in your shoes obviously being an arsenal man um but what's your what, what's your sort of your, your your emotional feeling on sort of the the decision that's been taken because you know we we saw all of the the, the things amidst the pandemic the the decisions to lay off however many staff while there were I mean, undoubtedly, these conversations about, um, you know, Super League and, and and getting millions and millions, hundreds of millions in in, in revenue from from this from this arrangement, it it just all seems a bit hollow to to me. That's it. I mean, it's what it's what you've both touched on already. There's within Arsenal. I mean, obviously, I'm just using them again as a specific example and and from my experience. But you know, there's a, a proud history and tradition of of Arsenal helping the community. I mean, you know, there's, they've uh, provided meals during the Corona crisis and, and they've provided um, sort of a soccer camps in half term to help parents who are maybe burdened by having to go to work and then pick up their children. They, they go into the community and teach a lot of children. Um, you know, they provide uh, not just sporting um, aid, but also financial aid for schools and even beyond they've set up like, safe camps in Syria, in Africa, um, you know, all that. And, that. and that makes me really proud to be, to be involved, you know, with, with a club like that, who always have the people um, in their thinking. And, and slowly you can feel that becoming eroded. Um, and I'm not just going to go, oh, it's because of Stan Kroenke, blah, blah, blah. I think it's just a general pattern that we see across many top clubs. Um, you know, people are slowly becoming the the afterthought and the fans are, are slowly becoming the afterthought and for me I mean we we spoke about it before we we came on the podcast first of all the statement was was published onto Twitter um, at close to midnight um, you know where a lot of eyes would, would not be seeing it first of all um, and the statement itself included no quotes from from the Arsenal board or, or hierarchy or those involved in the discussions um, you know, we had to read words from from Manchester United board members and Liverpool board members, which is just it, it, it's insane to me, like genuinely insane. 
Um, there's no transparency. There's no, um, you know, respect, just a general, like, um, you know, acknowledgement that even though we are fans, we understand, we can understand the situation. Um, you know, and it was just a real sickener. You know, I woke up in the morning and I felt really, you know, like a, with a big knot in my stomach because it felt like um, I was slowly losing my my grip on on my club. And it sounds dramatic because, you know, a lot of people are just going to say, oh, you know, it's, you, you know, nothing bad is going to happen. You're just playing Real Madrid once a year extra. And it's just like, well, it's not just that. I mean, that's the, the idea put forward. Um, but it's what we've spoken about already. It's the trickle down effect from for for the rest of the Premier League and, and English football, um, you know. And these ridiculous leaks about, you know, oh, we're going to improve VAR and put uh, microphones on the referees and introduce a salary cap and help women's football. Like, when have they ever helped women's football? I mean, Liverpool and Manchester United they have literally zero involvement in their women's sides. I mean, Manchester United didn't even have one for until two years ago. Um, it's all just, you know, rubbish arguments to try and get people on side. But, you know, there's just such a vast amount of money involved. So even if there is a, a salary cap put in place, for example, they're, they're still going to be earning, you know, hundreds of millions more than, than the next club. So they're going to be able to pay players, you know, as they were before. It's just It's just all rubbish. Um, and, you know, I even saw a report from, I think it was football leagues from, from one of the contracts that they managed to get their hands on. And it, and it was, um, an idea that no clubs within the super league would be allowed to sign uh, players from one another. And it's just, I mean, what, you know, we were complaining about the lack of competition and making it a closed shop. I mean, that's the, the ultimate closed shop of all, you know, they get to keep their assets take assets from the the smaller clubs and it's just going to create an even larger division so it's well know. i think what they want is between the clubs themselves is not to bid up wages i think the whole idea here is whether there's a salary cap or not introduced is that uh this close shop will uh the club owners together will you know kind of work together to deflate wages um so they'll be taking higher revenues deflating wages and ultimately uh pocketing bigger profits to to reduce their debt so I think that the you know this whole idea of a of a salary cap potentially even like being considered as a good thing it's not really a good thing it's just a way for these teams to to deflate wages and and put more money in billionaire owners' pockets and essentially take take that money that's you know players are earning now and and you know direct it into yeah into their own profits so um, yeah. Uh, yeah just, just the, the whole thing is kind of sick I think from and from I think a lot of uh, you know, the, the English clubs, at least, I think it's a bit easier to pin pin the blame on owners that have put in, I think, a lot of, you know, hierarchy, uh, people in their hierarchies that have, you know, have worked towards this. But, and, you know, speaking from my experience as a Juventus fan, um, it's very strange for me how much of a, of a driver of this the uh, Agnelli was because, um, you know, Juventus, I think... I think a key problem is financial fair play has uh, Juventus have a fair amount of debt, um, but Juventus's debt in the context of the Agnelli family's holdings, which are worth like over a hundred billion euros or something like that, Juventus's debt is a, a drop in the ocean. But they're having clear issues with uh, financial fair play, and um, I, I, whether that was one of the key reasons why Agnelli wanted to 
to push, be one of the, the the leaders of the push towards this this new league. I don't know, but um, the Agnelli family are, you know, an intrinsic part of Juventus's history for a hundred years or so. And so, you know, seeing seeing you know, such a such a, a key you know part of the the club's history, then breaking them away from the Italian league and and uh, and driving towards this, you know. This franchise franchise competition essentially is yeah it's kind of kind of a bit sickening. We see how how instrumental these these you know shadowy figures in suits at the very top of these clubs have been um, over the course of the last few months. Clearly, which has now only just come out, and yet across the board, no pun intended, we've had you know just blanket statements. As as Phil, you were saying, you know you had a co- um a statement which was co-signed by by Joel Glazer on the Arsenal website. Um, you know this the decision makers, the people who've said, yes, you know what, this is, this is what's right for this club and these, and these supporters. Um, they, they haven't fronted up and, and spoken out. I think Florentino Perez is the only one who has, who, who's really come on the records. And I mean, we'll get onto that in a second, but you know, it's, we saw last night um, uh, at, at Ellen Road where, where Jurgen Klopp had to face the cameras and essentially was put in an impossible situation where he'd previously been on the record to, to kick her in 2019 saying um, that he would not be in favour of the Super League and then he, his, his employers had gone completely over his head and, 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 and that of the heads of his players um, in saying that, you know, I mean, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to do this. I think it's, I mean, the, the fact that the, the, the interviews this morning were... Um, we put on the Liverpool website, and and the, they were doctored in a sense to to leave out the, the the elements which discussed the Super League. I think it just shows how sort of evasive that the, the those at the top are, and you know I, I really do feel for for the people who work for these, who support and work for these clubs, you know, who work in the media department, who work in you know any aspect, any the ticketing, you know, people who are going to be fielding calls, who are going to be you know taking abuse from from people. Um, who who have no other vehicle for that for their anger? When it, realistically, it is just a very very select few at, at the very top, a, a select few billionaires who, as Steve, as you say, with the Agnellis, you know, have have been intrinsically linked with these clubs. Um, whether that's be for a couple of years or or, or a decade or, or you know for a century in in Juve's case, you know that they they're not having to front up and and come out and say you know what this this is us being accountable for our actions it's very much a we're go- we're essentially we're going to do it anyway we know that you're not going to be happy about it but you know what 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 can what can you do about it what can you little people do and it's just it yeah it it kind of just it it gets at the heart of of, yeah. of what what makes it you know enjoyable these are the faceless men of that control european football essentially um Twelve teams with twelve owners. That uh, apart from, I guess, in Real Madrid and Barcelona's case, that's the technically owned by the members. Um, but you know, these these are the these are the people in control, and um, you know, it just shows the the complete disdain and disrespect they have for for fans. When you know, we even saw the the leaks of uh, you know them calling you know, traditional match day, uh, match day going fans as uh, legacy fans and that they're, they're focused on the, the fans of the future. Um, yeah, it, it, it shows the, the disdain that they have for for the the traditional fans that have made these clubs such powerhouses. Like people go to, to, to Anfield to see the cop. The cop is as much of a spectacle as, the, as what's happening on the field. And um, 
yeah, and 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 you know, there, there's potential that the those kind of things could fall apart, and then you kind of just left with a a soulless on field product that you know it might be exciting because you've got some incredible uh, talent on display, but in the end, it, it it will just be soulless. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's important to know that football has has never been perfect. Um, you know, UEFA have done a, a good job of portraying themselves as the sort of the Mother Teresa of, of football in the last couple of days. And they've been, you know, uh, been with the snakes comments. Um, and obviously that might be true. I mean, we're not privy to the conversations, but, um, you know, they've they've hardly you know, a, a shining beacon for, for football in the uh, in the last 30 years or so. And even FIFA, I mean, we have a, a World Cup in the winter in Qatar, for God's sake. So, you know, I think them trying to play the moral high ground is, is quite rich. And I can understand people using this argument. I mean, even Sky, you know, Gary Neville and, and Jamie Carragher were on there um, on Sunday and Monday, you know, just criticising everything and everybody in their, in their path. But over the years, they've they've been praising the likes of Roman Abramovich and and Sheikh Mansour, who have come in from abroad and and spent millions and billions of pounds, and, and you know they've put it down to ambition. And um, but I'm not sure exactly what what they've done is any different to to what's being proposed now. It's just different um, in, in a group sense as opposed to an individual sense, you know. And you know, there's a lot of uh, sort of I'm on my high horse kind of thing, but at the end of the day, people need to be working together um, to try and maybe obviously now it's too late to put a stop to it. But, you know, everybody needs to be banding together. And instead of, you know, comp- even companies like Domino's, you know, f- putting Leeds, uh, sorry, uh, Arsenal and Tottenham fans, you know, on blast in, in sort of smirky, you know, tweets, that just brings out more tribalism in people and that's not what needs to happen here. Everybody needs to be together um, to try and minimize the, minimize the damage here. Um, and it's just the attitude for me, the general attitude, you know, this whole, we, we are saving football, um, you know, we're, we're intervening at a critical time and people are losing interest in the game. I mean, you know, their sole interest is, is money. Um, these clubs were billions in debt and that was before the COVID crisis. And now, you know, they're in debt up to their ears. And this is a way plain and simple um, is to protect their revenues and to, and to secure consistent, you know, cash flow. Um, it's, it's that simple. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll go on to the, the big interview from El Chiringuito last night from, from Florentino Perez. Um, but for him to say, you know, it's not a closed league, you know, there's only 15 teams involved and then five teams can qualify afterwards. And it's just like, how how stupid do you think people are? You know, it's just really insulting. And, you know, these conversations have taken place in the shadows during a, during a, a global pandemic when no fans have been allowed into stadiums. They've never felt more excluded or uninvolved from their clubs and they've just been plotting away in, in the back. And now they're going to come out and say like, oh, it's the best, you know, where we're, we have the best interests of football at heart. And, you know, it's just all, it's just all rubbish. Um, they just simply want to close themselves off. They want to secure their own futures and their own cash revenues and everyone else, you know, it's down to you to fend for yourselves. So it's, you know, they- it's funny. It's funny that, um, you know, if, if people like Perez are talking about 
you know, these massive debts and whatever. But um, it's 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 like these debts were unavoidable. Yes, the pandemic is has impacted revenues, but as you said, even before the pandemic, these these clubs are in massive amounts of debt, and it's because of things like signing in Hazard for a hundred million pounds as a twenty nine year old and giving him monster wages. It's because Juventus have signed uh, Ronaldo for a hundred million pounds as a thirty three year old and paying him. 60 million euros a season um you know it's it, it's like these people you know are kind of shifting the blame of their own debt onto others and 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 now yeah the whole the whole thing is um you know you're not guaranteed to make the final or win the champions league every season and, and bag the huge amounts of revenue that that uh that entails you might you know in some cases like arsenal and man united or Spurs might be missing the Champions League, and you know that's a that's a massive a massive knock to your bottom line. So, you know, businesses love to run without any kind of operational risk. Businesses love certainty, and there's there's no better certainty than a, a league you can never be relegated from, and and you could never you know lose the revenue share from. Um, but yeah, it's just it's so disingenuous. Yeah, and you, you, you were, we were discussing there, uh, Phil, you were saying there about Florentino Perez's his interview with El Chiringuito. Uh, and I think it's probably um, it's probably wise to just refer to some of the quotes that, that he said in that interview. Um, so he Perez, who's obviously the chief of, of Real Madrid, said, big clubs in England, Italy and Spain have to find a solution to a very bad situation. When you don't have income beyond TV, the only way to make it profitable is to play more competitive, attractive games that fans around the world can see. Football has to evolve like businesses, people do in life. Football has to change for the times we live in. Football has been losing interest. Audiences are dropping. Audiovisual rights are dropping. Something had to be done. The pandemic said we had to do it now. I mean, that it's, it's just very brazen, you know, because I, I keep using the word, but it's it's true. You know, we've discussed the fact that you, there's, there's, no, there's, there's nobody in, in stadiums, as, as, Phil, as Phil said, you know, fans have never felt more excluded. And yet this is sort of, this was in the statement that was very non-committal, but made pains to state that it was to do with the pandemic. Um, and now they're they're referring to that in, in, in interviews, in PR stunts. I I just, I really don't like it. And I, 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 I'm at a loss for, for sort of more um, poignant words. And Steve, you're, you're, you're one for this. You are very much our Gary Neville uh, on Scouted, as you you wrote your your editorial piece uh, yesterday, um, which was which was great. Um, but I I really I'm just at a loss as to sort of the just the goal that it just yeah it just all feels very well. Yeah. The, the a key problem was that the the TV rights deals that were all signed in the mid 2010s were, they were just massively inflated and they were always going to drop down. Um, so that's a the, a key problem is basing your revenues on you know always increasing revenues in a business don't always increase so you need to to assess for risk and and you know the possibility that the amount of money you make next year might not be as high as the amount of money you make this year um so that's key issue number one um and with tv rights deals i hope i hope that um governments really step in and and you know this could be the first step in 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 giving the sport back to the fans is I think governments need to step in and and regulate, uh, you know, games being on free-to-air television. In Australia, we have uh, anti-siphoning laws, they're called, that uh, legislate that 
Uh, certain sporting events must be shown on free-to-air television, like the Olympic Games, always on free-to-air television. Um, all test matches that feature Australia, all World Cup matches and the World Cup final um, have to be on free-to-air television. So I think step one could just be some sort of uh, anti-siphoning laws in the UK that's, you know, stipulate that a certain number of Premier League matches and Champions League matches every week featuring uh, English clubs have to be have to be featured on, on free-to-air television um, and go from there. I think it's a, you know, we, we need to think of solutions uh, with fans in mind because uh, for too long in our sport, uh, where the money is has been the, you know, the driver of decisions and, and now we need to hopefully see that, you know, this crisis uh, puts the, the fan perspective back front and centre of, of administrative decisions in the sport. I mean, I'm, I'm personally looking at it from a very English uh, sort of micro lens because this is what I know and what I've grown up with. I mean, I wasn't alive when the, the Premier League w- was formed in 1992. So what I'm experiencing now is what I've known my whole life. Um, and obviously, not just English fans, but many fans across the world will, will, will feel aggrieved by this and, and they understand why we feel aggrieved by this, but there's also millions of people who will be interested in, in what they have to offer. I mean, you know, let's not kid ourselves. This, this will be popular and this will be a success um, across the world because let's say the more casual fan um, who, who maybe isn't so dedicated into the 24 seven ongoing of football will you know be flicking through the channels and oh Liverpool against Barcelona's on tonight let's whack that on you know and that appeals to to a lot of people and to millions of people so that's why there's an added layer of helplessness involved Um, I mean I'm sure for for myself and many other people because what am I supposed to do now I mean I'm, I'm completely against what's happening but I can't just drop 25 years of of my association and, and emotion attached to Arsenal? Do I just stop watching them now? I mean, fair play. People that can do that, they are, you know, they have my respect because I, I can't. I already know that I can't and I'm, I'm going to still watch the games um, because it's the it's my club and it's the club that I love. But I'm kind of, there's no way out for me, you know? And that's another a layer of of sadness that, that I feel within this whole situation because you know as much as I dislike what's happening as much as I despise the the attitude and and the sort of sound bites that are coming from people involved within this you know I'm still a slave to it all at the end of the day and I'm still going to be watching um the games um because it's it's my club and it's the club that I love so you know, it's just it's just a, a general feeling of, of helplessness and, and you feel very um, sort of small and, and um, you know, uninvolved as a fan because we've had no say in the decision-making process. We haven't been consulted in any way. Um, they've kind of just got together amongst themselves, sat down, found out what's best for their interests and gone forward with it. So um, it's very... You know, I I mean, for, for using another personal example, Arsenal were in the European semi-final, uh, and I was actually in a in a terrible season for 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 the club personally. I've been really excited with this because we, you know it's a semi-final, a chance to win some silverware. We play um, 
Villarreal who are managed by Unai Emery. So that's an added layer of, of interest and spice to the game. And now it's just like, well, you know, does it mean anything? <laughs> I don't know. I don't really feel like it means anything because I just know in a couple of years that my club are going to be guaranteed 350 million regardless of what they do in the league. And it's just like, well, okay. You know, I guess there's some silverware on the line and, and potentially beating Man United or uh, or the prospect of facing Manchester United if we both win our prospective semi-finals. But it's just, you know, it just feels a bit a bit pointless at the moment. And, and that makes me really sad because I love knowing that my team have achieved something on merit and they've earned the, their silverware or they've earned their position. And now it just doesn't feel like that at all for me, which is which is really sad. I'm I'm still kind of hopeful that hopeful that some way or somehow uh someone can 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 kill this. Um I think I kind of read some things about uh Keir Starmer saying he'd be happy to support uh any legislation that the UK government might might bring forward to uh regulate club ownership or or, or do something of of that ilk. You've got um potentially players uh, banding together and and uh, you know taking a stand against the the new competition. You got managers as well, um, probably a little bit less powerful. But um, I, I, in that case, in that sense, though, I was a little bit disappointed by the the FIFA Pro statement, the the the, the players' union statement uh, in regards to to the Super League. I thought it was a little bit weak. But I think I think you know we've already seen things from James Milner spoke really well in the. In, in a post-game interview last night, um, we've seen, you know, dribs and drabs on, on social media from uh, Bruno Fernandes and uh, and uh, under Herrera. Um, so fingers crossed we see some more players take take those steps as well because, you know, th- there's a lot at stake for them with potential barring from international tournaments and, and, and the like. So, um, yeah, I am still hopeful. But uh, it's very much wait and see now. I think there's going to be a, a lot of litigation in European courts. And yeah, this is going to be a, a long and drawn out process. Get 20% off and free delivery with the code SCOUTED20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free delivery at manscaped.com. Use code SCOUTED20. Your balls will thank you. Yeah, I think it's probably probably best that we discuss sort of what what the future could potentially look like in that case. Then, um, and you know, going through all the scenarios in my head, I was thinking, well, how does how does it work? You know, do these do, the, do these um, legacy leagues, if you will, do they still exist in the same same form um, with 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 these teams breaking away? So, um, in a hypothetical situation where where these teams do break off, you know, you five ten years down the line, say for example, you're, you you know you're a player, you know, I think. Obviously, in the same way that they are now, but even in a more pronounced fashion, um, you know, the, the best players will only be siphoned towards the big clubs and at a faster rate. You know, would you, you know, would you rather play for a team beneath the Super League or or for a, a Super League's academy or or, or B team? Um, you know, who can offer you just so so much more because they're just the, the resources they have are just so much more incredible. You know, how how long would it be until? Super League B teams are, are dropping into these legacy divisions, um, you know, dropping into the Premier League, um, 
but without the prospect of, of of promotion and sort of diluting the competitive aspect even further because you know you you, you have to look at sort of the there'll be there'll be these super league academies are they going to all play each other because then you know the the is it is it going to be the same is it going to be sort of a, a uefa super league super youth league you know the there there are a lot of things here that i think have been sort of put on the table and just glossed over because they've seen the check and thought well yes this is a very good idea we should push forward with this without actually sort of taking into consideration that everything 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 in the game is is affected by this uh, you know transfers what are transfers going to look like you know when when clubs are uh, from when super league clubs uh, are are just cherry picking players from team from teams in leagues beneath them um you know if they can if they can do this 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 is the one thing that, that i always keep coming back to is if they can do this and they can they can break away from the leagues who who's to say that that they they can be stopped from doing literally whatever they want yeah i think um uh, that that's the the first thing i thought about when i heard that you know players could potentially be barred from from competing in international tournaments or playing for their national teams is what's going to stop the super league from forming their own version of a world cup or their own version of a euros it it, it sounds ridiculous but you know, as you said, what what can't these what can't these people do? And they're going to be in control of such a large pool of, of money now that um, what's going to stop them from saying, "Hey, you don't really get paid a whole lot by your national federation. What if we give you X amount of money to you know defect to the your super league nation uh, and play in some you know copy World Cup or copied Euro?" Um, yeah, the the possibilities are endless for for how these people can can take control, given you know the amount of money they have and how much money dictates what happens in 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 twenty first century society. Yeah, because money has got us to this point, and there is only going to be a, a proliferation of it in this in the Super League. Um, so how how could it how, how could the statements that that Paris have, have has made be make any sense that it would make the game better? By pumping yet more money into it, it it all just seems very um, very sour. Um, I think we'll we'll bring this one to a close uh, for 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 this week um, before we sort of go into to all the hypothetical scenarios as we'll be here all day. But um, Phil, Steve, thank you very much for for joining me. Do you have any sort of parting comments um, before we, we we close this one off? No, no. I mean, for me personally, it's I mean, it's what we said. Nobody knows what's what's going to happen. Um, and people might be thinking, oh, you're afraid of change and this is always going to happen. Um, and they could be absolutely right. I mean, that's entirely fair. And maybe these clubs will get together and, and actually sort of uh, go, go along with their word and, and funnel money into um, clubs who aren't involved in the Super League and, and take an interest in women's football and, you know, things like that. Maybe they will. I mean, there's no way of, of us knowing um but i'm just reacting purely from from the last 48 hours and and how it feels to be a uh, a fan of one of the clubs involved and and just in sort of with the the sentiment of english football in general and i think um i agree that change was inevitable um this is a, a very drastic one um and i don't know if this was 
the best way to handle things. And that for me is, is the gut punch. The fact that it's been very secret, very behind the scenes, no fans consulted. There's been a, a general lack of um, respect and acknowledgement from, from these guys that, um, you know, we don't know what's going on. We're the ones that are in the wrong because we don't see the bigger picture. Um, and I, I genuinely believe that this could be a, a really bad thing, not just for, for English football um, and, and, you know, not just English football, but for European football as well. And I think if they don't get a lot of things right, it could be really catastrophic. Um, and I don't want to see my club playing in the Club World Cup in, uh, you know, for, like you mentioned before, in New York or Thailand or wherever they go, because I think it's basically one step away from that. And I think, you know, as I said before, people can, can accuse me of being scared of change and, and they can absolutely say that that's perfectly valid. Um, but I just think there's a lot of posturing that's disingenuous from those um upstairs should we say um and they kind of just feel like they can do whatever they want now because the contracts are signed and that's it you know this is happening whether we uh we agree with it or not and that's you know that's quite a, a horrible feeling for me which is basically where i stand on it at the moment um so we we just have to wait and see what happens i guess yeah i just wanted to to add you know global corporations basically control you know most aspects of our lives but you know football uh it isn't different but it should be and you know fans should take this opportunity to to continue pushing back on this as much as possible uh use your voices as much as you can to to oppose this and you know the chances of of it not going ahead or of of, of destroying it are slim but you know football is you know so important to our lives so important to to the communities that these clubs exist in and, and the the nations in which they they compete in that you know we we really have to to try and not just not just end this but I think also uh, really come down hard on on these mutinous clubs that are you know trying to you know create create a law unto themselves which they have been doing for the the last thirty plus years but are really really gunning for it now so yeah keep keep uh, Keep doing your thing to all the the supporter trusts out there, um, and yeah, just fight it as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and if you haven't checked out Steve's piece on on our website, um, his editorial on the Super League, uh, and and you know, echoing all of our thoughts at Scouted about what it means for for the future of the game that that we know and love, um, then do check that out. Um, as, as I mean, it resonated with myself. I know it resonated with Phil, um, and I'm sure it would resonate with anybody else who, who's um, who, who's agreed with some of our points on this podcast. Um, that's all from us this week. Um, we'll be back hopefully next week with um, perhaps some resolution on this issue. But you know, fingers crossed, but not holding uh, not holding our breath. I think it's fair to say. Um, but yeah, thank you very much for tuning in. This has been the Scouted Football Podcast with me, Joe Donahue and Stephen Ganawis and Phil Costa. Stay safe, take care, bye for now.